Hi guys, this is David Negrin, host of the Script Podcast and executive director of the NYC Screenwriters Collective. I'm excited to announce that we've created a Patreon campaign for the script. Patreon is like a Kickstarter, but it allows you to give ongoing pledges every month and receive ongoing rewards. Of course, the Script Podcast will continue to be free, but we're just asking for a little help. So please, check out all our rewards, join our inner circle. Become a patron of The Script Podcast at patreon.com slash the script. The greatest gladiator match in the history of the world. God versus man. This is The Script, the official podcast of the NYC Screenwriters Collective, the podcast for screenwriters, by screenwriters, all story, all the time, the deepest story analysis anywhere on the internet. Tonight, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. My screenwriter tonight, uh, I'm your host, David Negrin, my screenwriter tonight is Alec Pollock. Hello. Alec is a screenwriter, instructor at the collective, and all-around comic book nerd. Right? What's your level of expertise, comic book nerd-wise? Pretty, pretty, pretty high. Uh, I would, I would say, especially for uh, the source material for tonight, I'd say uh, I can, I can get into it. I'm excited just to have you one-on-one because I have some. I became comic book nerd like later in life. I didn't collect them when I was a kid. So my knowledge is uh, in in my maturity, as you'd say. Um, but I do know the source material as well. And so I'm interested to get into it. Um, there's a couple of things. Let me, let me start off as we usually do uh, on the script with the artists. Zack Snyder directed Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. We know him for 300. We know him for The Watchmen. We know him for, infamously, for Sucker Punch. We know him for Man of Steel. Um, the screenwriters on this uh, on this one, the credited screenwriters are David Goyer uh, and Chris Terrio. Uh, David Goyer, David S. Goyer, did Batman Begins. He did several of the Batman films. He did uh, uh, the Man of Steel screenplay. Chris Terrio wrote Argo. Um, David S. Goyer also wrote Jumper, a lot of sci-fi stuff, Ghost Rider. Um, So both of these guys are great writers. David S. Goyer is particularly a great comic book movie writer. And since he worked on the Chris Nolan Batman films, notably Batman Begins, which to me as a screenplay is the most perfect of the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. I don't know how you feel. Yeah, I I haven't seen them in a while, but uh, they are tight by all means. Yeah. Um, so the uh, what one of the great great moments in the credits of this movie is when they. They credit Batman, created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger, and then Superman, created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. 
having the, the 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 credit given to the original creators of these two you know just the most epic comic book heroes of all time basically in america anyway um on the screen together saying by the way we finally got a hollywood blockbuster with the two biggest comic book franchises you could ever think of together but with their comic book roots i really i really i like that moment i like the credit sequence <laughs> and legendary not again you, you say epic but it, it it's legends these are the modern mythologies and i think that's one yeah. of the things that that was so exciting for me i mean so let me ask you a quick quick question why is it batman v superman how come it wasn't superman v batman <laughs> Um, Not to get into the details. I mean, we're going to do story structure. We're going to talk about superhero tentpoles. We're going to talk about what we look for in a superhero tentpole. But what the fuck? I, I think it's it's uh, legal parlance. I think that's the way the title is built, as a legal case. The, uh, it's not versus. It's V, as in yes. like a case, like, like Batman v Superman. So it's the defendant and the... Uh, Prosecutor. Yeah. I love it. I didn't catch it, man. Yeah. I did not catch it because I got caught up in the verses of video game technologies. You know, yeah. I definitely played DC Heroes, the the video game, and that's a versus game. Yeah. No, no, no. This so, is, uh, so this... Batman is making a case against Superman. Exactly. And that's what I the whole freaking story is about, is making yeah. the case against Superman. All right. Well, you had the answers. I'm glad you're on with me, Alec. Um, I want to talk about when we podcast... A superhero tentpole film and maybe we can go through these um, three up three down some of the things we're looking for are the ratio of action set pieces to story because in a superhero tentpole you're gonna have way too much action most of the time most of the time and and, and, and far too little character that's how they that's how these things fail so when they succeed, it's with a good ratio of action set pieces to story. And, you know, I will, I will uh, cite Avengers, um, Joss Whedon's Avengers, as probably the best uh, of both worlds. The original. Occurring. Yes, yes. Sequel, not so bad, but the original is a great case study. Character development in an ensemble. Okay? Also something we need to look at in the superhero tentpole film. Right? Do you have character development with all of the major characters when you when you throw multiple superheroes into a story? Are they just there as action fodder? As you you know, like um, uh, they're super super power porn? You know, just to watch what they can do, or is there character development in each of each of the superheroes you decide to include in your film? Um, action and comedy set pieces look this is a popcorn movie i want to rate the action set pieces i want to rate is this action we've never seen before are these set pieces on film yes thank you um why because if we saw them in the comic book exactly we may have oh i'm saying we may have seen them before somewhere but uh -huh, uh -huh. not perhaps on film and i think that's something yeah. to to judge it by I got mine over there okay so Yes, and uh, also the comedic set pieces. There's, 
you know, some of these action films, they have great, you know, of course they've got to have thrills, but the comedy should rise above, above the sitcom level C joke hackery. You know, it, it should be, you can get good comedy into these films as well. Um, I would say we want to talk about the overall originality of a superhero movie plot, okay? Is it more than a supervillain army comes to take over this, the world? <laughs> Is it more than the origin story about accepting your new powers and finding your place in the world? Or do we have something more original? Um, and number five, you've got to reinvent the naming of superheroes. You've got to reinvent the suits. You've got to reintroduce the, the catchphrases. When you take this comic book to the film, you've got to, you've got to give us a new twist, something original, um, something we haven't seen before in the comic books. It's not enough just to translate them. That being said, why don't we start with uh, our three up and three down, as we do at The Collective. Sure. Alec, I'll give you the floor. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I jotted down some three ups and three downs, and uh, I got my my three ups, uh, and some of them are script related, some of them are a little bit more related to the film itself and the the, the production of it. But uh, my three ups were one, uh, the attempt to sculpt the stories into modern mythologies. And I thought that was a big up for me, and the that main sounds thing. really deep. That sounds really <laughs> deep. What are you talking about? Well, look, I, and I again this. Uh, and these stories, especially Superman stories and Batman stories, um, my friends and I who have geeked out about comics have always thought of these stories as modern mythologies, just like the Greek myths and the Norse myths and Indian mythologies. All of these yeah. cultures had these mythologies. It was a tradition of telling these stories of heroes and retelling them and telling them in different ways and different subcultures had different versions of the stories. This isn't something new in you know in our geek culture. This is something really really old. Yes. And okay. Comic and so what was there? What was present? Well, for me, comic books in general are these modern mythologies and for me watching this, I had such a great time watching it because I got to see a lot of the storylines and the high points of the modern mythologies of these characters being brought to life on screen, remixed, played around with, and basically I saw this film as this was made for me, for someone who knew these stories, thought about these stories, had heard these stories, and this is now a, a, a retelling for me to, to well, see and enjoy. Well, and well I, you're reminding me of, of, of course, of uh, The Force Awakens, which we had a great podcast on, um, when, where we have a serious amount of time and, and, and pre-knowledge of the mythology and we want to see it played out, and we want to see it expanded. And that's a, that's a great parallel as well, because we talked on that podcast and as discussing it about the the poetry of it, the way that those stories are built. Again, George Lucas has said that the original scripts for the Star Wars movies were supposed to be poetic in their 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 uh, construction, and definitely the way that J.J. Abrams and his team put together The Force Awakens had this poetic 
reverberance from the original stories, poetic structure, uh, parallels in the characters and the, the tropes that, that reoccurred. And like I said, I don't see that as copying or anything that's that's bad. I just see it as as poetry, as something... It's reinvention. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's like a, a Shakespeare sonnet, yeah. right? Well, but um, it's, it's operatic. Or, or a, yeah, you know, a sonnet is a, uh, is a poem about love. The form does not change. It's always about love. But how do you reinvent the love yep. poem, right? How do you reinvent the comic book film? Yeah. But again, it, it's very operatic in terms of you have these these themes that recur on a regular basis and are familiar. And, you know, especially with uh, Wonder Woman's appearance and her uh, her, her uh, theme, her Hans Zimmer and and uh, well, not theme music that plays on a regular basis. I love that. I thought that that was great, and it, it kind of added to that operatic and mythological feeling to it. And uh, It really ripped open the mythology of the film when Wonder Woman enters because Superman has his own set of rules of his universe. And... Batman has his own set of rules of his universe. And the colliding of those two sets of essentially their their uh, the rules of whether they're mortal, whether they're all-powerful, what are their gifts, what are their flaws, the colliding of those made this movie very interesting. It, it, the, it did, and, and again, it... it it really starts to absorb this idea of multiple mythologies coming together and forming new yeah, stories. As soon as, and... as soon as Wonder Woman shows up, my head explodes. I'm like, what? <laughs> so what are the rules of her universe? Is, is she, can she be shot with a bullet? Can she, is she mortal? Or is she all-powerful? Uh, is her shield powerful? What are her powers? It was great because I knew Superman's rules and I knew Batman's rules. I didn't know Wonder Woman's rules. But the question and also is, you're saying that they are the rules of the mythology that you know, but those stories have been retold and remixed so many times over the 75 years that these characters have been around that they're, even the rules have shifted over time. Yeah. And what's yeah. interesting to me is at any one point in time what bubbles up? What becomes part of the canon? What becomes part of the mythology? Do the you want do you want to comment on that from Batman or Superman's uh, from the comic book world things that were different or the same in the well, film that you appreciate? You know, I think one of the biggest issues that I keep reading about and hearing about on other podcasts and people having a big problem about is the killing. And I, I think that that's a huge issue just in film today that there is a lot of killing and a lot of death. And one of the big things that, that people take yeah. umbrage with about these stories is the idea that Batman and Superman both kill. It was something that was a big issue with Man of Steel, how he ends up killing the villain at the end of Man of Steel. The, and the, this, is, this is my big down for this movie, and it was my big down in Man of Steel too, because what you're talking about is a one of the unwritten rules of the comic book world but it's 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 not unwritten it's written it's a written rule it's Thank a rule you. Okay. it's a rule that 
has been recurred and has been spoken by the characters on a regular recurring basis in terms of our lifetime and in terms of what we've seen in a lot of comics, especially in the 80s, 90s, where you had these heroes who defined themselves by not crossing that line and not going where the villains would go because then I'd be just as bad as them. But again, that's something that I think is a specific cultural moment in time where that was true. And you know what? You can blame uh, American Hollywood cinema for desensitizing us to people dying on this on 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 the screen. And for these characters, though, they're going back to their roots. Batman, yeah. originally seventy-five years ago or some somewhat, used to throw people off buildings without worrying about it at all. Like that was I didn't know that that was so his you're normal saying, mo. You're saying it's return? It's a return? Absolutely. I, I'm saying it's a reflection and so you of. It? I I thought it was weak. Okay. <laughs> the 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 central premise of our film. This is I guess is my first down. I I should start with my ups. I, mean, I like a lot of the movie, but you brought it up, so I'm reacting to your up. This was one of your ups. The central premise here is that. Uh, Batman is angry with Superman because uh, Superman, when he's battling Zod in the first film in, in Man of Steel, um, the collateral damage of their battle kills people and in particular destroys a, a Wayne Enterprises building in a very 9-11 uh, Cantor Fitzgerald kind of way, very real to life. Um, uh, uh, treatment of that kind of uh, scenario and this idea of the collateral damage that might happen in a superhero knockdown drag out fight is not never acknowledged in comic books we don't talk about it it is part of the suspension of disbelief that there isn't collateral damage it's far too uh, realistic an idea to bring into a comic book movie and it is the central beef that that Batman has with Superman it is very contrived it is the one thing that I really can't forgive in this movie that they couldn't come up with a better reason for Superman and Batman to actually be at odds basically you know PS there's one in that comic book right there that's better right a reason yeah, a better, a better, a better contrivance for Batman and Superman to be against each other. Yeah, yeah, in that particular world. Yeah, of of that particular, and again, that particular we're talking about. We're talking about the Dark Knight Returns, the classic story, yeah. and what is the what's the reason they get into they get into a beef in the comic book? In the comic book, the Dark Knight Returns, uh, it's a world where uh, superheroes in general had gotten um, too big for their britches in terms of the way the world governments had thought about it, and they kind of had an agreement with the governments that they would retire, hang it up, or be taken out by the governments, basically, because it just wasn't um, politically apt for these superheroes to be running amok as vigilantes. Superman continues to work for the government, but in secret... The world is a safer place, right? In general, there aren't, like big bad guys around Superman has a force kind of like his own little army right in this no no in the comic book no 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 it's just him 
he works for the president mainly, who's Ronald Reagan. But he's a one-man army. What, what, we, we get an illusion in the movie to, uh, that reminded me of the comic books. I thought it was in the comic book with the, the soldiers with the Superman insignia. It is. That's from, again, another series called Injustice, Gods Among Us. Ah, where okay. Superman I, does just that. Superman takes over the world. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a, again, different storyline. Okay, sorry, sorry. Not to conflate. No, but not at so, all. So in the original, Superman is a basically, he's aligned with the world government. He's so omnipotent that we don't need other superheroes. Y'all need to retire. And the government sends uh, Superman after Batman when he comes out of retirement because he's not playing nice anymore. And that's right, it. because he and he comes out of retirement because Gotham has become a cesspool again, mm-hmm. and he starts kicking ass in Gotham, mm-hmm. which is his neighborhood, mm-hmm. which has always been his neighborhood, and so Superman essentially oversteps his bounds by you know <laughs> he has no bounds, bounds in in, in that particular story. bounds yes but let me let um, me but but this I mean the collateral damage plot I'm can you get with that yeah I totally can. Because here's here's the way that I again I see it as 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 the arc of the film, where you have a world where there was no Superman, there was no super powered individuals at the level of Superman, there was Batman, there was Batman working for twenty years fighting crime in Gotham and you know the, the surrounding areas, fighting the likes of the Joker and psychopaths and as he says you know clowns that go bad and and, yeah. and whatnot. But I don't think Batman ever had to face anything of the level of power that Superman and Zod represented. And so when he saw that, that just basically blew his mind and just changed his worldview in terms of what was out there and what he needed to be facing. I wish we talked about that in the movie. That's a great way to put it, but it's it's not touched upon. I mean, it might have been subtextual. But Batman being threatened by the fact that there are supernatural forces. Absolutely. And Batman has never, his gifts have never been supernatural. Right, right. And again, he he slowly introduced him more and more of that, both with Diana Prince, with Wonder Woman, and realizing he's metahuman. And then the, you know, heavy, ham-fisted revelation of the um, exposition files that he gets from uh, Lex Luthor. I yeah. like the exposition files you know, it, with, it's, with the Flash it, and with uh, Cyborg and Cyborg. Um, uh, Wonder Woman. Yeah, so it just kind of showcases an Aquaman. Yeah, it's so it just showcases that they're all there. And again, his eyes are open to this larger world of metahumans and and uh, 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 super powered individuals. The the coming of the Superman. And but in that case, in that in the comic book, Superman goes after Batman. In this film, it's Batman, as you said, v Superman. Mm-hmm. Batman goes after Superman, mm-hmm. and it, it it didn't work for me that contrivance. But that I won't harp. That being said, there was a lot about the movie that I did enjoy. Um, I thought I really thought that the amount of story we got in the first half of the film was wonderful i was not expecting us to get so much story so much backstory on superman and on batman particularly um they did a great job of of developing their characters and where they are now uh not so much lois lane but superman and um and batman 
particularly Batman because we have to we have to meet him, the new incarnation of Batman. Um, you, before the were, action were you saying starts, you didn't like Lois Lane or her portrayal, or I, didn't no? I just think she was barely in the film. I think a lot of people have mentioned that yeah. she's barely there. She becomes, you know, she 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 has one moment. I mean, she's. I don't even know that this movie passes the Bechdel test. It does like, not. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's ridiculous. Um, uh, is is does Wonder Woman have any dialogue? You know? Wonder Woman has no dialogue with any other females. She's she, looking, she exchanges she's, she's glances and whatnot good, with, <laughs> and she's kicking ass. Um, but yeah, yeah. Sorry. I mean, you know, her whole movie is going to be one big bestel love fest. Once it, it comes will. out, it will be. It will. Um, yeah. But I mean, even in you know, even the moment where Martha Kent and Lois Lane actually have a conversation, it's about the ring and it's about Clark. So it's it's yeah. you know, it doesn't doesn't doesn't, doesn't pass, pass that, yeah. um, and. What are you gonna do? It just it doesn't, and that's just the way it is. I was my criticisms of Zack Snyder in general and on this podcast have always been that he over action set pieces the films, Man of Steel being probably the worst example of that. The last forty minutes being almost just monotony of action with no narrative and nothing too original um i think this film being two and a half hours was a bit long but not as big a sin as the previous man of steel um see i i man of steel that ending of man of steel i remember specifically seeing it for the first time and having such a visceral reaction to it of feeling really uncomfortable um as when in, he kill when he kills no 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 in the destruction the metropolis destruction like it just hit too close to home as a new yorker yeah. and remembering 911 like it was it was and i i think it was meant to have that effect it was meant to have this effect of like this is the realities of the kind of chaos and and horrors that we face in our world today and here's the super powered version of that it's not just one building going down it's or three building it's you know dozens and dozens of buildings going down in in you know the 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 daytime version of new york city metropolis yeah yeah and this was the this was the reprise of the the 911 imagery we you know we had we had wayne enterprises the the skyscraper fall we mm. had the dust cloud mm. that's so iconic that you everyone has seen on TV but New Yorkers know extremely yeah. well I, I actually saw the film at uh, Battery Park uh, Cinemas Wow! so I, I mean I walked right past the construction site and felt the echoes of you know, the, the New York the realities of New York 15 years later and what they were portraying in the film it just felt so much like he was he was he was going for that parallel now let me ask you this it is it's understood to comic book people that the metaphor of Metropolis is that it's New York during the daytime and the metaphor of Gotham is that it's New York at night, right? It has come to be that, yes, yes. Um, in this film, they combine them. Yeah, well, again, they're supposed to be kind of across the river from each other. So Is that is that what they did? They yeah. decided that... that Gotham is like across the river. Yep. Jersey City yeah, exactly. or something like that. <laughs> exactly. 
Like <laughs> Gotham is still Manhattan. Exactly. Exactly. And and the uh, the Metropolis is Manhattan, and Gotham yeah. is 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 yeah. Newark. Or now, something. but I mean, the parallel that I've also Shout read is Minneapolis and St. Paul being the twin cities. It's supposed to be two twin cities like that. Which, again, is funny because Metropolis was not originally envisioned to be New York. It was originally envisioned to be a Midwestern city. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, because it was written by two kids from the Midwest. But it has the Globe, which is a lot like the Boston Globe. It resembles a lot sure. more than Boston. Sure. Um, well, how did you feel about the melding of the Batman and Superman worlds in our film? I, I thought that it worked absolutely fine I, I I I was happy to kind of see how they interacted with each other again this this has to do with the idea of legends and mythologies and how mythologies evolved gods and goddesses over you know in, in classical mythologies were individual gods of households and neighborhoods that eventually got merged with other stories and became a larger pantheon or mythology there's a great um, Book called Till We Have Faces by C.S. Lewis, which kind of talks about uh, Venus and Cupid, but calls them by their original names when they were these pagan gods before the, the Greek mythologies. So it has that feeling to me. Again, I keep coming back to this, but you're building out these mythologies in this bigger world that we've seen in different formats from uh, Dark Knight Returns, definitely. But also, I mean, you know, we grew up with the Super Friends, right? This the shared super mythology, friends. right? I mean, I grew up with the Justice League. Yeah, the Justice sure. League, the Super Friends, any of these these cartoons or or uh, visions of these these characters working together. Superman and Batman have a history of working together in uh, their own titles, and Batman just has... not in the movie universe. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, Marvel has done this, you know, with with specific Marvel team up comic books. Um, DC has done it with the Brave and the Bold. The idea of teaming up and getting these characters working together and seeing but in, how in the comic book film world we've never seen we haven't seen so far we haven't seen two iconic individual characters who have universes on their own combined like this before even avengers was always a team up iron man yeah was a little bit of his own thing well, now that they're bringing spider-man in Yes, we will. We will finally see. Uh, you know. Well, here's the thing. You. This is something that you mentioned in your kind of five points to look out for, and 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 one of them was kind of how do we reintroduce the story? How do we reintroduce the origin and whatnot? We're we're at an age of telling stories about these these superheroes where you don't have to just retell the origin again and again and again, mm. um, as as the 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 movie. Uh, that we just saw a, a failure in the Amazing Spider-Man where they decided to do the reboot and just retell the story all over again. It's just it's not necessary anymore yeah. with modern audiences. These are characters that have many, many, many stories to tell, and we, only we, now we did the Batman origin story in this film though. We did it in a montage. In a montage, in a small way that was a part of that that arc of Batman going from this point of oh, I'm realizing this bigger world. I get very focused on realizing what I need to do to try to, to encapsulate and stave and off that world. It. And then they and, use it to connect with the Marthas. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Which was one of the great moments of this film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's part of that arc did that you, Batman goes did through. You, did you ever make that connection? Did you, as a comic book fan, did you know that 
Batman's mom and Superman's mom both were Marthas? Yeah, at some point. It's kind of like always been there, but I don't think anyone has ever made use of it as much as it has. It, it was, was in this. What what a great call. Yeah, but, but again, what? it is used specifically as a device to have Batman change his point of view from this is an other that I need to change to this is someone who I actually have probably more in this common with. This is my with. brother. Yeah. This is my brother. It just yes. it, it was able to just snap him out of the perception that he was in that this The idea that Batman could save his mother. Yeah. 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 His or own have mother. A right. Second chance to save his mother. That goes to the core of Batman's character. Totally. Period. Totally. And allows us to believe that he would ever team up with anyone. This is the evolution of Batman. He's the ultimate solo rogue until you go back to the idea of someone who gave him a second chance to save his mom. And look at it. And that's, that leads him then to having this other revelation to understand the situation in a different way and go from, I need to stop this new Superman metahuman threat to, I need to actually form a team to collect them and actually carry on the work that this Superman started because there are going to be superhuman threats that need to be faced the way that he was facing it and i was refusing to see this is what was going on in his head and that's why i think that he's the one that has the most uh uh, progress the the biggest arc in this film also another reason why his name can go first and i'm happy for that in this film interesting you know i mean it's off the top of your head do you feel like one of them got more or less screen time they probably had even screen time, but I thought it was Batman's movie. I thought it was Wayne's movie. I thought Affleck uh, was great. I, I thought, you know, he really had the arc. He really had the transition. I don't, you know, Henry Cavell, I think they're just trying to figure out what exactly and, to do with him. And <laughs> Good point. I mean, uh, I guess that would, you know, I didn't even go through my downs, but I, and I didn't even know. Oh, yeah, no, that, I, had, I only was able to come up with two downs, one being, there was too much reliance on the historical knowledge and the mythologies that I'm talking about because for an average moviegoer, I can understand going to see this or a critic, it's a mess, and I get that. And again, it didn't bother me at all for me going to see it, but I can understand how the neophyte virgin eyes, it, it, just, it just makes no sense whatsoever. Are you saying that the criticism of this film comes because they couldn't see deep enough? No, it's not that they couldn't see. It's that they wouldn't go in with this acceptance that there is going to be a lot that you're going to see that isn't necessarily going to make sense right now. But as a comic book reader, that kind of stuff happens all the time. All the time. Yeah, and it yeah. and it just makes it even cooler five issues down the line to be able to go back and be like, oh, that's where that seed came from. And that's what, what that crazy guy showing up and in that, that vision meant. And if you... I didn't know that... I, I don't know that... Okay. I will I will concede you that. I, I figured that this was more Zack Snyder being sloppy and there is than n- being indirect. Okay? <laughs> because if he's being... If he's just... If he made his movie... Because this is how I see it. He made his movie. And then they went back and placed the seeds for the other movies into his movie after the fact. So I wasn't going to give him credit for that. But if it was intentional, I don't know the man's process. I don't know whether they went back. I did read that they went back in and put the metahuman uh, exposition in after the film, though. 
Um, but this film does not spoon feed us no. the connections between all the ca- the superhero characters the way Avengers does. No, not Avengers, at all. Avengers being the first uh, tentpole to really do this, they were a little skittish that people wouldn't understand stuff, and they fully explain everything. Yeah, no, absolutely. Which is why they needed a master storyteller like Joss Whedon to be able to get it all done in a certain amount of time. Absolutely, and work in this like kind of tight, nice little package. Yes. But when you have, look, look at it. I mean, I think the best example of, you know, we didn't say like major spoilers, even though we're going crazy with it, but no, of course. major spoilers. But I think that one of the best examples is that vision that that Batman has, that Bruce has when he's doing the decryption, and you know suddenly he has this vision of the future, which is in a lot of the trailers. And this is where you have the the, the soldiers with the Superman insignia band, and again that is you know taken from the Injustice storyline, and where which super- is what is is to say it could happen or that 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 is. A vision, and again, this—it's it, a modern story. I—I I don't collect and read comics on a regular basis. So I try to keep up now, so it's not one of the classic stories, but it is becoming one. And the basic idea of it is something happens where Superman actually is—is is tricked. I don't know if it's by the Joker or some some you know classic villain into causing the death of Lois Lane, and that pushes him over the edge, and Superman ends up taking over the world. And and this is what Flash comes back in that 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 puff of smoke to warn uh, Batman. And Flash is a time traveler. That's part of his thing. That's part of his continuity. I didn't know that Flash did that. He runs. Yeah, you know, again, he uses the Speed Force, and he he's able to time travel. That's part of the Flash mythology. I did not know. Absolutely. That. So him coming back to warn Batman that, and again, he says. You're right. You are right about this. So again, it's completely tied into the whole point of the story that Batman so, is worried so about what's going to happen with Fla- Superman. Flash, Flash is letting Batman know there's an alternate timeline where Superman goes evil. Yeah, and again, we and don't know that it's so alternate. It could be the, the like the path that they're heading on right now. Wow. Okay. Mind blown. But that's, that's this fantastic. is what I'm saying. Like. If you kind of like open yourself up to the fact that like, all right, everything is there and it's going to mean something now and don't feel like it's necessarily a mess. It's just this like little present that's being dropped for you for the future. And if you have faith in that and trust in that, and that's, it's a good know, time. That's, that's that's the thing that we've been begging Hollywood films to do for years. Yeah. Just please don't spoon feed us. Right. Let us let us. Uh, let it wash over us. Let us figure it out later. Yeah. Let us find these Easter eggs yeah. later. So if oh, that is... he even says, like Flash even says in his little thing, you were right, Lois Lane is the key, right? You've got to wow. save her. You've got to make sure she does not, because that's the, like, that ties into the vision he just had, that Lois Lane's death is what and leads that, to that then, future. Then, and the next thing Batman does is save Lois Lane. Uh... Or does Superman save Lois Lane? Uh, Superman saves Lois Lane in this Superman. one, but I think again it's it's more towards the the grander picture of what mm-hmm. will happen in the future. And Flash says, "Am I too early? I'm too early. He's way too early. Like what he's warning him about is not happening right now, but it's out there." So okay, Superman saves Lois Lane. Batman saves Martha. Yes, Kent. Kent, got it. So and then. Um, there's the, the the dark side connection, which is the other part of that vision. Talk to me. You know, what dark side is. No. 
Darkseid, there are a, um, a series of characters in the DC continuity created by Jack Kirby, again, mar- big Marvel guy back in the day, but he created these characters called the New Gods. And they were these celestial beings, and one of them, the, the evil one, who is, again, a lot like Thanos on that Marvel side, who is this big yeah, bad. He even yeah. kind of looks like him. His name is Darkseid, and he's this kind of master of evil on this planet Apocalypse. And that Omega symbol that was etched in the, the ground uh, in Batman's yes. vision, that's his symbol is the Omega symbol. He has these Omega beams that come out of his eyes. Uh, he looks a little bit like an alien. Yeah, I, like stoneish. I, I, yeah. I, saw, I saw the screen caps yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah okay. And the, the, those demons that were flying around were parademons. They work for Darkseid. Like so, there's a dark side connection. With yes, all of this. those demons yeah. that showed up with the Superman yeah. army. So what they the figure fuck? in all of this. So Superman is either in league with Darkseid or has taken over Darkseid's position. Something happens with that, and that's what Luther was talking about at the end of the movie. What was he talking about? He was talking about the this connection that we you know we we we've uh, awakened the awareness of of. Uh, other beings he says something like this and they're coming that's like his final words that's what he's talking and that's about. what it's all about it's the new gods it's dark side it, there's going to be a connection with this and again it has to do with this evolution of this world these metahumans the the evolution of these beings and the gods and and demigods on this this world the 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 it's almost like literally there's an escalation of stakes happening in this world and we're watching all of these characters as, deal with as it. As we were describing earlier, that it's no longer uh, the the rules of Batman's universe. It's right. now superhuman. It's now galactic. Exactly. It's it's stepping up. Multi-dimensional. To all that. Yeah. And yeah, Which, and that scares Batman. But also, he gets in the fight and he follows um, the the vision that's provided to him by the Flash. Yeah. Yeah. So again, all of this just got me excited and interesting that it all came together. Is it good, solid, tight filmmaking the way that we talk about in script writing and building like a tight well, script? In, in traditional right. Hollywood screenwriting. Right. Well, yeah. this is Hollywood now. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Where, how do you judge these days? Like, It's not a superhero movie in the sense of a Blake Snyder superhero plot. It isn't because he ta- he's talking more about the origin stories, which we don't necessarily need anymore. Can we talk about Wonder Woman? Of course. <laughs> um, it she she didn't have a huge role in the film. Seven it minutes. Did, it it felt like an introduction. Yeah. But she had a couple great moments. She was fantastic. Like every time she was on screen, she was just in control and surprising Wayne at every at every uh, at, at every turn and then when she finally shows up she's just she's just a badass and you can just, yeah. like they have this moment where she's in the middle of battle and it's terrifying and she's smiling and just enjoying it because that's who she is she is you know the ultimate warrior like, yeah. yeah even more you, more so any... than 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 Superman or Batman she is the ultimate warrior in this right she's trained for yeah yeah for hundreds of years yeah what what is the do you have any uh, Easter eggs on that photograph? The, um, the film the, was that was that a creation of the movie? No, I mean the the Wonder Woman movie takes place the the movie that's coming out next year takes place during World War One. Really? Yeah. Which, so that's an allusion to to that. Yeah, movie? it's just kind of 
alluding to the fact that she's a lot older than she looks, obviously, and we're playing with the Wonder Woman myth, because how do you deal with the fact that these characters were created and the Wonder Woman character was created, and originally, I think it was during World War II, was when that character was originally created, Um, and Steve Trevor was a World War II pilot that crash lands on her island and, you know, pulls her into man's world. How do you deal with that? You know, it's been dealt with in the comic books where you have um, uh, different worlds of these characters. And again, I don't know how much common knowledge this is or how familiar you are. The original Earth 1 and Earth 2. Are you familiar with this? The whole idea of the multiverse? The multiverse I've heard of, yes. So in DC Comics continuity in general, they, they talk about the multiverse where there are different versions of reality, essentially. And this kind of all started basically because these characters were created in the 30s and 40s, and their stories continued on, and then it got to be the 70s or 80s, and you couldn't necessarily have them have the same origins that they had way back when. So they explained this, and I think it first started in The Flash, where The Flash um, ended up traveling to this parallel universe, and he met the original Flash, which was who was running around way back in the 40s and so they explained it as that's earth 2 where the heroes are a lot older they've been at it for a lot longer and this was a because because the heroes didn't age is the right. problem so you needed to reinvent the stories in modern wow. in modern time and this is a problem with these heroes when they try to have them all being concurrent so they solved it with this multiversity and but in in avengers they 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 put Captain America in the 30s and then they just froze him and woke him up. Which is always a part of the story. That was always a part of the story but again, in the original story, Captain America was was from the, the, the 40s and was fighting in World War II, got frozen and, and then was resurrected in the 60s, I believe. Mm. So now it's not in the 60s, now it's in the 2010s or, or, or whatnot. So they've been able to shift that. But originally, Tony Stark became Iron Man in Korea. In, during the Korean War, yes, yeah. yes. So that was time shifted to be more, yeah. just more present, and those characters seem to to shift pretty pretty readily. But now you've got Wonder Woman, well, and Wonder Woman was again from a previous time, so they've got to kind of figure out how do I deal with all of that, and how do you deal with the classicism of the, the Greek mythologies that Wonder Woman comes from? Well, it's what's interesting to me here is that the mythologies that are created by all these comic book greats by the Jerry Siegel, Joe Schuster, Bill Finger, Bob Kane, all of these comic book greats, they spent energy integrating new mythologies into the current, into our world. Um, I think if you look at The Watchmen, which Zack Snyder took on as a film, um, you see another attempt at really integrating our history, American history, world history, with the mythologies of these superheroes. And that seems to be really important. It seems to be really important that they be attacking, you know, in the Marvel Universe, they're attacking New York City. Um, in that World War II is present in the universe where Gotham and Metropolis exist. It seems really important to the storytelling universe of comic book films that it take place in our universe, just 
as if as if it could be taking place outside of our homes right now is that important i think it's important in that notion of reinvention and retelling of these stories and these mythologies on a regular basis and and there's always an attempt to make them relevant to to whoever the modern audience is so that they don't feel outdated and and stories that that no one's going to be interested in i don't see the x-men spending as much time doing that the x-men franchises really yeah i i mean they have they have sort of alternative uh i mean they they they're not obsessed with actual historical events no not 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 actual historical I, i mean the current path for the x-men movies is to specifically chart their history through time yes but that's the last two right the um first class uh, is in the 60s the the first class and and then the the new um sequel that's coming out but the previous first class was in the 60s right days of future past was in the 70s specifically yeah and the new one apocalypse takes place in the 80s and that is along the same lines as what you're describing with the Marvel and the DC comics, or I guess with with the Superman, Batman versus the Avengers, Hollywood films. But the original X Men, the first few, didn't seem they they were just sort of on the side. They were on the side of history. Which, as a film, they were. Yes, as a film. But again, which is, which I thought was one of the failings of those films because the the X Men comic book themselves are specifically a reflection of cultures that are um, uh, set, set apart. Again, the X-Men started in the 1960s. Like It was all about the civil rights movement. It was all about the others and how they were shunned and feared by society. And as they evolved, it became about um, uh, uh, sexual identity. It became about uh, just just any kind of, uh, of difference and identity and identity politics. That's what those comics had always been about. They always had that leaning to it. And again, they played that up in the 60s in their own way and then in the 80s and 90s. And then once the films came, it was, I agree, it was stripped of it and they just became these leather-clad heroes. <sighs> which I thought was unfortunate. Well, yeah, I mean... There's so many options because the amount of mythology that's being spun here is enormous. It's just enormous. But this film at least makes an effort to try to tap back into cultural relevance, which is what the source material tries to do and and knits together the the stories of what's going on in the world with these super-powered fantasies. And the films have always been afraid of that. And I think it's great that these are tapping into it can we talk a little bit about the action set pieces in our big old action movie the two of them or three of them <laughs> well they were quite long so they were yeah. definitely in sections yeah. but um, but the three main I, action sequences were the, the, the Batmobile chase scene right mm-hmm. the uh, Superman Batman fight yeah, and then the big doomsday fight at the end yes there, uh, but the, the saving of uh, of Lois and the saving of Martha. Yes. Okay. The, those those were I, I don't they're somewhere in between there. Yes. And um, I heard someone say that you know go see go see Superman if uh, 
Batman v Superman. If you're interested in the uh, reading the comic books again, plus seeing uh, one great Batman fight sequence. You know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And again, there they, was they, one great. Yeah, that would. I think that's when he's going to get Martha. Yeah, and it's fantastic. And it is again for me, it is the best Batman I've ever seen on screen. Better than any of the Dark Knight uh, or the. It's okay that he's using guns. I don't care. You it, don't care. Again, it was just it like that is something that had been a part of the mythology, and now in this version, it's not. And that's just. This version. And he doesn't primarily use guns. He's still no. kicking ass with yeah. his martial arts. He's still a ninja. He's he still he just, he looks a member of the League of Justice, or the League of Shadows. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Yeah, I don't know about <laughs> that. Again, so much of this feels like it comes, you know, this is the, uh, kind of a lot of the source material where the, the Frank Miller year one Batman, where yep. it just... Batman Begins, right? Yeah, Batman Begins took took some of this, but again, Batman Begins added that whole aspect to it that you're talking about with the League of Shadows and everything. This is just, you know, Batman just working it and just making things happen and being that, like, rabid detective. Like, when have we ever seen him be a detective like he was trying to be in this film? Which is great. A little bit back to Batman's film noir roots. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, again, it's... It's also, yes, he's got the, the big armor, but he's a guy in a suit, but he's like this big buff guy in a suit that, that makes it work. Like, it, it was really, it was just the best Batman I, I had seen. And I, they used the, they used the kryptonite judiciously. Yes. Um, they did allow Superman to kick Batman's ass a reasonable amount, you know, because that's what would happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, it's what would what did happen in the in the comic books. Yeah, book, but so. again, there is this idea that given enough time, Batman could figure out a way to make it work and to win and to to defeat his enemy. And I I, I bought it. I, you know, I totally um, I totally believed it. What about Doomsday? Um, I really I I thought it was a little one dimensional. It comes out of nowhere. He's just sort of a super bad dude. Yeah. He's ba the fact that they got him from Zod's DNA bothered me. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, how, how familiar are you with the source material on that? I, I believe that the original Doomsday they got from Superman's DNA. The original Doomsday was a creation. In the original story, you had no idea where he came from. Yes. He just suddenly, like, came out of the earth and just wrecked havoc throughout the United States until eventually getting to Metropolis and just having this immense fight with Superman, and they killed each other. And that was and it. The, and, they, like, and they kill each other. It wasn't which, until much later was, that they revealed yeah. that he was, in fact, Kryptonian in origin and came and was bred to be just this supernatural killer and survivor. Right. Um, he was, uh, like, they used sort of a... A um, Olympics of evolution to breed him, clone him, yeah, something rebreed him, reclone him until he was this Kryptonian like super animal. The more you punched him, the stronger yeah. his his the bone growths 
grew on him. I wanted more of the bone stuff, didn't you? I know, totally, totally. Isn't that some of the coolest part of Doomsday? Yeah. You, you punch him, and then he grows new skeleton yeah. around him. And that started, and then it, like, disappeared. Until... It did. It started, like, a little bit. I yeah. wanted more. Yeah. Uh, again, my thing with it is just, like, oh, they're doing that. Okay. All right, how are they going to uh, tap it in? And I think, you know, the big... The big, uh, again, giant spoiler at the end of Superman dying, which is like, well, if you're doing Doomsday, then Superman dies. That's the yes. mythology. Like, that's yes. what And happened. I was very proud of Zack Snyder going there. Yeah. I think it's actually a great comment on the world of popular television and movies today. You think of... Um, Joss Whedon TV and film he kills off main characters you think of things like Game of Thrones American audiences are getting used to characters dying yeah. we also know that they can come back Yeah, right? I mean especially in comic books Yeah, especially in comic books did they need to give us the hint at the end of this movie or could we have just let Superman lie uh, yeah I mean I think they could have just let him lie he, I mean he's going to come back in some way shape or form I don't know what they're going to do with it but, like I said, I think they... Is he going to come back in the blue suit with the lightning bolt? God, I hope not. <laughs> that <laughs> what is that referred to? What is, what... Electro Superman, I don't know. That was, I love that. that. But when again, they, when, that he was... first, when he first comes back, he comes back in kind of the black, you know, Kryptonian you know, uh, resurrection or uh, yeah. healing garment. But it's also in, like, Superboy and Seal and all these other... Um, characters rose up in the comic books to fill the void left by Superman. Now they're not going to do that, but they've used that conceptually as a reason for Batman to form the Justice League to fill the void that Superman was filling, defending this, from Zod's and Doomsday's of the world. This this conceit that you've explained to me makes the Justice League concept so much better. Yeah. That, that there is a, a, a mounting threat out there. It's not just, well, Zod's coming. Okay, now Doomsday's coming. And Lex Luthor's coming. It's not just these threats, these one-off threats. That there is galactic trouble coming. And yes, Batman, Mr. Solo, Mr. Hero, you know, Rogue, you are going to have to team up with people. In a way that you've gonna never have had to, to before. Yeah, yeah you're going to have to learn to trust people. And guess who helped you to, you know, learn to trust people? It was a guy named Superman. Yeah. And he died. And that's fucking good storytelling. Yeah. I, I, for me, it worked It worked so well. And again, it's not necessarily the absolute traditional story the way that they've been told. It's not exactly the characterizations. But it's remixing these different elements and putting them together in, in a way that's telling a story that's relevant today. Because we are in a really, really freaking scary world that is changing every day with every act of terror and horror around us and our eyes are open in different ways and, and we need these mythologies to help us process them and deal with them I um there were some good things about this movie there's some great things about this movie some things that didn't work I definitely don't think it <laughs> I think the, the the press and the critics the, the hate storm on this movie was overblown completely I mean, I mean by all 
superficial measurements, <laughs> this movie did not suck. This got lower ratings than Fantastic Four. Like the, what? Which was, like which was a disaster. So which, awful. which we've reviewed on this podcast and was a disaster. Completely. And completely. offensive to the the comic book mythology. Completely. Yeah. Completely. So I think this was just a this is what you know, we got to we got to we got to tear down the big movie kind of thing. And I do not think the word of mouth on this movie was that bad. No, and again, made what four hundred fifty million opening weekend. Yeah, I mean it's critic proof. It was you know it's a global killer. So, um, you want to give us uh, some summation? Um, Anything you really wanted to talk about? We didn't get to talk about. Let's tonight? see, Sourpuss Superman. Like I said, that was kind of Shane. Historic knowledge. Batman and Wonder Woman. Both great portrayals. I love the film didn't try to explain everything like we said and uh, that attempt to sculpt these modern mythologies. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed this film. I think, like I said, it was made It was made for me. It was made for, for me and anyone else who has this willingness to follow along with the crafting of these, these, these new mythologies and these new stories. And uh, I think if people and there's and it's a set of serial stories. Yeah. It's ongoing. They're not standalone like the original Superman movies. They're they're weaved together like the great TV the great TV series that we are becoming more used yeah. to. And I mean, think about that. We, we they keep saying that we're in this golden age of television, right? Yeah. Well, if we're in this golden age of television and people are realizing the benefits of these serialized programs and these little seeds that take a while to, to grow into fruition, well, then the rules of filmmaking are going to change to reflect yeah. that and to learn from that and hopefully take the best no. of it. And that's what Kevin Feige at, 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 at Marvel is doing. They're applying essentially the showrunner model at the macro tentpole blockbuster level. You know, in terms of collaborative uh, script development, um, uh, script development by teams instead of by committee. Yeah. Um, so that's good. I wanted to say I really liked. I'm a friend of your son's. I did. <laughs> I I figured with the cape. That was great. That was Another really... great moment. That you never. Great. I don't know if that's in a comic book somewhere, no. but that's a great it line. Was, it was great. It was fun because it's like the these you, the one thing you always forget is these two like superheroes are running around with capes. On. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's so many things that make Batman and Superman yeah. different, but yeah. then their moms are Martha, and they're both wearing capes. Yeah. Yeah. Bravo to the the writer and director yeah. on that moment. One of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. Also, I we I don't think we mentioned Alfred once. Uh, oh, quite a different portrayal of Alfred, but he was awesome. He was great. He was snarky. I think the two of them as his team was yeah. brilliant. And and you know, it's the evolution of him just being a butler to being his head of security, and it made a big. It was it was great. It worked really really well. Yeah, sort of the combination of Morgan Freeman's character from the Chris Nolan. Yes. Um, Lucius uh, Fox. Yeah. Right. With with the Alfred from the Chris Nolan. So, yeah, a more active uh, 
version. Yeah. Did you like? Did you like how Batman had a random girl in his bed? Totally. Because again, that's totally, totally true not to who she is. not even referenced at all. No. He wakes up. Batman's got 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 a girl in his bed, and we don't know who. No, but and and we don't. And there and there's no no love story for Batman, right? Yeah, I mean, there's kind of this. I would again going into the plot. His relationship with oh, Wonder right. Woman is the there, B story. It's kind there of there like, is a pseudo B story that that goes along with. Um, but he's yeah, you're right. Okay, Wonder Woman is certainly a B story. Yeah. and for, there are uh, both. Wonder Woman has had relationships with both Batman and with Superman in the comic books. So oh really? There are <laughs> yeah. So there are like I'm sure there's material to draw from. I haven't read any of those. But they're they're in there, so who knows what's Fantastic. to come. Yeah. All right. We so covered a lot. We do have so just I, I again I enjoyed it and I really, really look forward to what's to come. I think Suicide Squad is not gonna be this level of epic, but I think it again, I'm not good hoping it's gonna be just as much fun of being in this world again. I'm looking forward to that film. It looks the trailer before uh, Batman v Superman was insane. It was so great to see it, but you got quite a job to do in terms of, like I said, uh, character development in an ensemble. The way Joss Whedon did with six main characters in Avengers, Suicide Squad has like seven, eight characters. Yeah, that's really hard to pull off. This is like Down Abbey <laughs> level uh, ensemble. Yeah. Like you're, there's, there's, you're gonna need some time. Or Game on of screen. Thrones again, as you're you yeah, know, thinking about it. Yeah, but yeah. with with a, with a, with a movie that like named Suicide Squad, they don't all have to make it. So, right, <laughs> they're going. There's gonna be some killing off early. Exactly. Um, Alec, thanks very much for Absolutely. coming on tonight. I want to thank uh, the NYC Screenwriters Collective. I want to thank our Patreon subscribers. Yes. Yep, you can follow the script on Facebook by searching for NYC Screenwriters Collective. You can follow us on Twitter at ScriptFeed. You can support the script podcast at patreon.com slash the script.